All right. Um, today, um, before I start, I will be uh, reading this letter uh, in the light of uh, what's happening around us. Uh, so, we're, I'm reading this letter from uh, our denomination, the Assemblies of God, Singapore. This was uh, from the gracious desk of our General Superintendent, Reverend Dominic Yeo. Let me just read this to you. The announcement of the repeal of 377A of the Penal Code by Prime Minister Lee at our National Day rally comes as no surprise after months of dialogues and hearing the rationales from the ministers and their ministries. We are disappointed with the decision to repeal it as it reveals a shift in the attitudes that some people in Singapore have toward modernity and a shift of their values. The repeal of 377A is only the tip of the iceberg. There are known generational repercussions and long-lasting impact of this alternative lifestyle that now threatens our nation's social fabric. Going forward, the Singapore government has an uphill task to enshrine marriage in our constitution and law so that the future shifts of popular cultures will not lead to the illusion of Singapore's uniqueness of being a first world nation with strong, stable family values. Our founding fathers did not make laws based on popularity, but upon the shared value that families form the fa fabric of Singapore's society. The church will continue to be a moral compass in our dialogues with government leaders. The way God intends marriages and families to be has and will not change even as social norms evolve. The Assemblies of God churches will continue to advocate for strong and godly marriages and families. God's word is clear. Our stance is clear. Within our community of faith, we remain committed to upholding and promoting traditional family values that are building blocks of our nation. The church will continue to be a support system for families in need, providing guidance for couples and parents and grounded influence for children and youths based on biblical principles and values. We will continue to be in prayer for our nation's leaders just as the Bible commands us to. May God grant them wisdom and courage to make the right decisions as they lead Singapore into the future. Signed and sent by Reverend Dominic Yo, the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God, Singapore. And may I add this, alongside with the prayer and with the admonition that we will continue to be a support system in families in need, we will continue to be a church that will journey and accompany those people who will struggle with any sins that they may have, with any lifestyle that they may have. And this church will continue to be open as the gospel is open to all people. This church will be committed to these people and we will remain peacefully, um, amicably expressing our opinion, but at the same time, will remain a good neighbor to our uh, friends, families, and even those people who may not share these values with us. Because that is the call of the gospel. That is the call of the church. And so with that, um, this is the uh, letter. And uh, we uh, rejoice uh, in the Lord uh, with our uh, godly leaders at the same time. We join the entire community, uh, Christian community, in this stand as well. So having said that, uh, we will now proceed with the word of God, uh, while I'm trying to connect and I have difficulty connecting now. Uh, okay. Pasensya na po kayo. Give me uh, this moment. 
Alright, okay. So, um, I hope that you're happy that you're here, but uh, I think we should uh, uh, be reading the Word of God, okay? The problem of technology. I know you're very patient. Wait. Siguro ito mga bukas ito siguro. Okay. Ayoko mag-panic. Pero nagpa-panic na ako at this very moment. Okay. We will leave this behind. Alright. We will be reading the Word of God and we will be reading from uh, the book, I mean the epistle of Galatians. We'll be reading from uh, Galatians chapter 1 verses 1 to 10 and I'll be reading from the uh, English Standard Version. Okay? So, uh, may I invite you to please stand as reverence to the Word of God and if you have Bibles with you, whether or not we have those things flashing on the screen, we will be reading from uh, Galatians um, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10 from the ESV. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are returning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. May the Lord be worshipped and praised by its reading. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have given us this opportunity to study your word. Lord, may your gospel be preached from this pulpit. May you teach us, O Lord. May the Holy Spirit powerfully convict us and lead us to action and in righteousness and in Christ-likeness. All this was in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's all be seated. Um, last week, we have heard uh, Pastor Wells' sermon, and um, we've heard about this. And then it's actually a, uh, I think, a response to uh, my. Uh, vehement crying last two weeks ago. Nahiyatuli akong mag-message ngayon. Um, but you know, God has answered my prayer, really. I said that for the last two years, I wasn't able to, um, to see you face to face. But uh, after that much crying and tears, the Lord has answered my prayer. And starting tomorrow, um, you will be able to go to places 
without a mask on. We're really ending toward, towards the end of the pandemic. Not just that. So, coming this coming uh, this Sunday, you are not required to wear masks during worship services. Except that you are immunocompromised, you are sick, or you are exposed to something, or you just choose to do so. That's okay. We respect that. No, that's okay. Uh, but if if you find it troublesome to wear masks during singing or even uh, uh, listening to the word, you're free to do so. You're free to remove the mask. I'll be able to see your faces. Oh Lord, after two years, the Lord has answered my prayer. He's good. He's wonderful. Um, and of course, Pastor Well preached uh, this message about being together. And uh, I'm very thankful to God because... Uh, uh, indeed, that's the heart also of our um, uh, discipleship, friendship. Uh, we could not have discipleship without us being friends and being uh, one with one another. Um, Pastor Well said that uh, he's uh, very uh, envious, if not very insecure of me because of my English, but it's okay, you're better looking, good looking than I am, so I accept that already. <laughs> Give some to me, so I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, give me the English, I'll give you the good look. So I'm, I'm fine with it. So we've just read this book of Galatians. We're starting again our series. We've finished the book of Mark. We've finished the book of uh, the epistles of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And we're starting now on our series on the book of Galatians. And I hope and pray that you will read with us the book of uh, the epistle, the letter to uh, the Galatians. And so I've entitled this sermon... No other gospel. Because there's really no other gospel other than this gospel. Um, and we've read that uh, from uh, these verses. And let me just give you a, a background. Allow me to give you a background on this. On uh, the issues facing uh, uh, Galatians, uh, the people in Galatia. And what's the uh, reason? What are the reasons why this epistle was written by Paul. And of course, you already know that this uh, epistle was written by Paul himself, the Apostle Paul, because he read that. You, you can read that from chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. So it's Paul's own handwriting. Now, the church in Galatia, particularly uh, these churches... Because it says here, the churches of Galatia. These churches uh, were facing difficulty. They're facing a doctrinal heresy. Not just simple doctrinal heresy. It is so important, so vital, so fundamental that it deals on the nature and the essence of the gospel itself. And no wonder why, when you read the letter of Apostle Paul to the Galatians, he was very unrelenting with his words. The beautiful rhetoric, the beautiful language, and the colorful language of Apostle Paul was very, very evident when you read the epistle to the Galatians. Because, let me give you the story. We know that the gospel uh, propagated and it was shared and now you have a church, one church with two different cultures. You have Jewish Christians 
and you have Gentile Christians. Now, of course, the Jewish Christians stemming or coming from that uh, cultural, religious background of uh, practicing Mosaic law, now intertwined with the lives of the Gentile Christians. And these Jewish beliefs were now incorporated into the Christ Christian theology, which affected their view of the gospel. So what are these? We could read these from the entire epistle of Galatians. Number one is the nature of the gospel. What is the gospel? The second one is the issue of circumcision. And the third one would be the issue of law versus grace. The issue of the nature of the gospel, we have read that from chapter 1, verse 6. And we've read the issue about circumcision from verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 6. And of course, uh, chapter 5, verse 3. And of course, peppered along the uh, uh, letter to the Galatians, we could see law versus grace in the entire chapter 3, if you read that. So, that is the background of this letter. Now, what, what is the reason why Paul was very, very colorful, was very unrelenting with his words? Because there were people who were teaching this. They say that for you to be saved, you need to be circumcised. So if I'm a Gentile Christian, I need to be circumcised in order for me to be saved. Could you imagine I'm a Gentile and I am 41 years old? I would need to be circumcised. I don't want to be Christian anymore. I think, okay, you didn't get the joke, okay. Pero mga Pilipino, we don't bother. Filipinos don't bother. We're not affected by this rule. So if I'm a gentle Christian, I'm a Filipino gentle Christian, okay la, what's wrong with that? You know, because Filipinos, I think 99% are, are circumcised. But you see, this is not just about that minor operation. The reason why, and you would understand why these Jewish Christians are, were uh, imposing upon their gentle brothers and sisters to be circumcised because they were theologizing and Judaizing Christianity. And they have a theological basis for that. They have. If you read Genesis uh, chapter 17, there's a covenant of God with the people of Israel. They say that for you to enter this covenant, the sign of my covenant to you is that all of your males should be circumcised. And so, the Jewish Christians interpreted that, that for you Gentile Christians to enter that covenant with God, you also need to be circumcised. So, in a way, they have a theological basis. If you read Genesis chapter 17. So, Apostle Paul was, uh, was concerned about that. He said, no, no, no. There's nothing that you will do to add more to that work. Your salvation is by works, not by you, but of Christ. So don't add anything more to it. You don't need to be circumcised. And all the Gentiles praised God for that. 
all male Gentiles would need not be circumcised. Because if you add more to that gospel, if you add circumcision in order for you to be saved, that will be a work of law. That will be works. Anong sabi natin? For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not by works. So the moment you add works to that gospel, that will no longer be a gospel of grace. So it's not just a simple heresy. You know, heresy is not just outrightly, patently wrong. Heresy would not go to you in that shape to say, by the way, I'm heresy, I'm wrong. Heresy is this. They, will, they would get a chunk of truth and make it appear that that's the most important truth and that it, it would, make, it would uh, present itself as the most important thing. They will take a chunk of truth and make it appear, twist it, distort it, and make it appear as if that is the only thing that would matter. And the problem is this. We Christians would often fail to discern heresy. And so, that is the essence of the problem here. So the question is, how do you become a child of God? How do you become part of that covenant with God? Do you need to be circumcised? How do you become a child of God? How do you become a child of God? Let's answer that question. John 1.12. Memory verse yon. John 1.12. Ay, galing, memorize nyo talaga. Wonderful. Ay, wow, galing. Memorize. John 1.12 For as many as received Him, He gave them the right to become Ah, alam nyo naman pala. Very good, very good. So, that's how you become a child of God. So, sabi ba doon, you need to be circumcised? So Paul was very unrelenting. He said, no, you cannot add on to it. Salvation, in order for you to become part of that family of Christ, you don't need to do any work because that is salvation. This is salvation. It's about grace. The Jewish Christians were saying, you must be able to perform rituals for you to be saved. They tried to Judaize Christianity. Now, I'll present to you two things. What is the different gospel that Paul is attacking? And what is the true gospel? Only two things. The first one is the different gospel. And we've read that in verse 7. It read, it, it, we can read it here. It says, not that there is another one. There's no other gospel. There's only one true gospel. But, Apostle Paul says, says here, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. They want to pervert. The uh, New King James Version used the word pervert, meaning to twist it. it. Twist it in such a way that it's almost unrecognizable, that it's almost no longer true. Many people pervert the gospel. But sometimes they come into different shapes and sizes. Sometimes they go undistinguishable. 
Do you know the gospel? So, ang tanong ko ngayon, mga kapatid, and this is the challenge. Do you know the gospel? Do you understand the gospel? We've been here in this church for many, 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 many years. Question. I'm asking one. I'm asking you now. Tingin ako, dito sa dalawang anak kong nasa harapan. Do you know the gospel? Do you know the gospel? Can I hear yes or no? Honestly, do you know the gospel? Wow. What a confidence. Thank you. I've done my part. Thank you. We will now end in service. We will close in prayer. <laughs> what's the gospel? And then I ask someone, so what's the gospel? Totoo ito ah. Oh, very easy. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. <laughs> Is that the gospel? Ah, meron iba. Ay, hindi ba pala yun? Meron na, baka meron ako na rin. Ay, hindi pa pala yun ang gospel. That's, that is a description of that, but that's not the gospel. What is the gospel? Do you really understand it? Because you can only discern a different, a false gospel if you know the true one. Right? Some of you here who are very fond of uh, designer bags or clothes or whatever, you can discern from afar if that is authentic or not. Some people, I am not. You can, you can give me a fake Gucci bag and I will not be able to discern it. Because I've never owned a Gucci bag ever in my life. So I wouldn't know. But some people, so you can only know an authentic one if, or a false one if you know the authentic one, right? Do you know the authentic gospel? Because that's crucial when discerning a false gospel. So sabi ni Apostle Pablo, there are people here who came here and they pervert wrong, uh, they pervert the gospel. And there's a very strong statement given by Apostle Paul. You cannot read this word. In the original language, he said this, anathema. Anathema. You cannot read that word because definitely this is a translated word. So this is a translated language. In the original, it says anathema. Why? is Paul using the strongest term possible against these people. A strong warning. He said, let them be accursed. In fact, I said, the rhetoric was very beautiful and very colorful. He said this, look, how I would say this, like, it's kind of cynicism on his part. Because he's trying to really make this and the message really come across to his listeners and to his readers. He said this. And in fact, I was, you know, surprised when I read this for the first time. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach you, let him be accursed. Sometimes when you read the scriptures, you'll be surprised with how writers of the Bible would, would write it for them to come across this message. Could you imagine Paul saying that? Even myself, we... Even an angel from heaven would come and preach a different gospel. Let him be anathema. Let him be accursed. That's the strongest possible condemnation you could ever give to a teacher. Anathema. You're opposing. You're out. That's what he's saying. Anathema. Be accursed. Matindi si Apostle Pablo. Inulit niya. Verse 8. He said, But even if, uh, as 9, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary, different, opposing 
to the one you, you receive, let him be accursed. Why? Why is Paul so, so into it? Why? Because without the people knowing the true gospel, they wouldn't be able to come to the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. Their lives, their souls are at stake. These people, by adding to the gospel, reduce the gospel. And I'd like to share this with you on that line of reducing the gospel. When you add something to the gospel, you don't add to it. By adding to it, you're actually reducing its intent. You're reducing its original message. And therefore, you are presenting a different gospel. The Bible says, anathema to you. There are many forms of reducing the gospel nowadays. And let me share this with you. I've read this from uh, and modified this from the, this book, Reformation, by Alan Hirsch and uh, Mark Nelson. He says here, if we reduce the gospel, our lives and our churches will experience, number one, rigid doctrine. In the original uh, book, he used very highfalutin English, ossified, where ideas are believed and not lived. Faith turns into ideologies. Rigid doctrines. Ossified means tumigas, naging buto. Whenever we gather here, are we ossifying? Are we making our gospel rigid? Let me concretize this point. Um, last Friday and uh, Saturday, our next gen went to our home. And it was a wonderful experience. Um, these next gen are no longer our youth. Huh? These are next generation, meaning these are adults. And uh, Pastor Will and I committed ourselves to be with these young people, the youth and the next gen. And you see, while we're sharing, I've mentioned this to them. We don't want to pass to you a church that is just a religion. We want to pass on to you faith. But this is what happened. We, the church, reduce the gospel to the next generation. We experience the gospel. But what we pass on to our children is a ritualized religion. What we pass on to them is actually just ideas, beliefs, but we no longer live them out. What we pass to our next generation is not faith, but just ideology. I'm challenging you parents who are here, who have perhaps adult children or those probably who are, can think for themselves, ask them these questions, or perhaps challenge them. From now on, you can decide whether to come to church or not. I will not force you anymore. I tell you, they will not come to you, and they will not go with you. I can challenge them. I can, I can tell that to you straight to your faces, my dear parents. Let it come from this pulpit. Let it make you uncomfortable. Why? Why? Because none of us here 
None of us here discipled our next generation. None. None. And then we're expecting them to follow our steps. We've just passed to them a religion. We've never passed to them faith. So I challenge our young next gen. I told them, I want you to discover faith by yourself through the power of Jesus Christ. Why do we do what we do? Why do you serve? Why do we raise our hands? Why do you even come to church? Discover that. Because we could never pass to you an ossified religion. We could not reduce the gospel to you. You need to experience the gospel for yourselves. I say this because I have two kids here who will grow up in this church. They will be your community. What will you be teaching me, these two boys of mine? I am angry because these are not just your children. These are my children. The youth told me, and we need to confess this. Sabi nila, anong ginagawa nyo sa, di ba? Totoo naman ito. Let's just face this. Let's just be true. I'm, I'm tired of the, 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 let's be true. Sabi nila, you ask us if there's a, ano to? A, a gathering, event in the church. You ask us to dance, we dance. You ask us to perform, we perform. What do you think of us? Utilities? You just want performers. You never wanted disciples. True or not? And then you're asking us to come with us. And then you're asking them, you are just turning these people into your utilities. Never disciple. I said, you're right. Leaders of this church, we need to repent of this. Our children will never be a token to us. They will never be, never be just instrumentalities of this church. They are the futures of this church. If we will not start discipling them now, we are reducing gospel to them. Have we discerned that? No, we've not. We turn and reduce the gospel by making wooden proclamations, mere statements, but with no power that does not resonate with the life of the people. My two sons, one time, we were going to a place. Actually, we are going to, uh, I think, Mavic's place. And then, because it's our first time, and even if we go to any other places, yung mga bahay-bahay ninyo, my, my children would say, we're here. I said, how did you know? There's a Bible verse. I hope, I'm guilty because I have a lot of Bible verses at home. It's, it's on my boy window, it's on my door, whatever. That's not bad. What I'm saying is this. I hope, that when we preach and live out the gospel, it will not just be wooden proclamations. Don't just put that in your doors or put that in your uh, walls. I do have one. I have a, a one at home. I have a lot at home. But I hope those will not just be mere statements, but words that of power that our children will realize for themselves the gospel is true to my parents' life and they are also true to mine. We reduce the gospel and we will experience empty doxologies, ritualized religion that replaces true worship without relationship, no relevance to eternal universal view. I go back and I'm so sorry if I'm so uh, emphatic and so um, uh, heartened with this because um, hearing our young people 
what we did is this. What we always do is this. And I will go to the, the second part because what we also do is teaching them legalistic ethics where discipleship is reduced to religious moralism, not genuine relationships. This is how we thought disciple would look like with our young people. Nane, Totoy, don't do this. Don't do this. I want to see you this. I want to see you this. Discipleship or not. You've just turned discipleship into bullet points. You've just turned legalistic ethics. You have just turned discipleship and reduced it to religious moralism, but with no relationship. Do you think your kids will go with you? No. No wonder why our children are leaving this church. Let it come from me. Let it be uncomfortable. For once in your life, you need to be uncomfortable. Parents, come on. Let's do this together. Don't blame your children. They're leaving the church. It's our fault. We need to repent. Repentance will be preached in this pulpit. And I'm telling you, all of us would need to repent. We have just taught them, magkamali, bakit ginawa mo yan? Sinabi ko sa inyo, ganyan, ganyan. But have we encouraged them to serve? Minsan nag-serve, nagkamali lang ng isang tono. Grabe na naman inyong binash naman. Magtitigal na kami ng online dito, mga kapatid. I'm so sorry. You're always bashing our young people. Nagkamali. Oh, come on. Come on. Really? Tapos sabihin niyo, ba't ka nag-church? Ba't ako mag-church? Wala naman makinggan mo kung di punahin ako. Have we encouraged them? Have we come alongside them? This is their term. Have you listened to us? Have you listened to us? We reduce the gospel to the people that we disciple because we thought that discipling is just about having a class and turning it into a moral instruction, religious moralism. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. We should. But when can we come to a place that we are able to make genuine and authentic relationship with the people that we disciple, particularly the young people of this church. Their number is not so many. I will know, I will not be surprised that many of them will leave this congregation. And Christianity, for that matter. It's happening in Europe. To the young people who are here, we want you, we encourage you to know your faith, to experience the gospel. We're sorry that we didn't do that. We hope that uh, we could do that now. But let me allow us to do this. Let us journey together as people of God, as family, to lead our young kids, our young ones, even our next generation leaders, to become Christ-like. Magaling tayong mag-moralize eh. Tapos pag nakikita naman sa buhay natin, out naman. How will they be able to believe the gospel? Aren't we also reducing the gospel? And we fail to recognize that. So what is the one true gospel? This is very beautiful because um, 
Apostle Paul is advocating, preaching, teaching, and living out this gospel that even in the way he would greet people, even in the way he would write these things, you would see and you can guess and you can even take a look and uh, he would make it manifest, the gospel in his letters. And in fact, even before he attacked the other gospel, he presented the gospel and it was just presented here. He said that the true gospel manifests through Christ's resurrection or manifested in Christ's resurrection. We've read that from verse 1. He said that Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So the gospel is also about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anong sabi ni Apostle Pablo? If Jesus was not raised from the dead, your faith is futile. It's empty. The reason why the gospel is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is because the gospel is about hope. Resurrection is about hope. That even if you die, you shall live again. That is the gospel. And that can only be obtained through Jesus. Verse 1, chapter 1. The gospel, the good news, is also expressed in the grace and peace in Christ in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, whenever Apostle Paul or the apostles would greet them in grace and peace, they don't just mean shallow grace, they don't just mean shallow peace. What they wanted, what they expressed to you is this, the grace of Jesus Christ. What is that grace? Grace that sought you. Grace that found you. Grace that you don't deserve. What we deserve, my dear brothers and sisters, is none other than punishment. That's what we deserve. But we didn't deserve, we didn't get that. What was given to us instead was this, grace. Unmerited favor. That was given to us. And so Apostle Paul said, grace and peace. Not just peace, the absence of war or chaos. Shalom, that's what he meant by this. Restoration, reconciliation. And when Apostle Paul said peace and grace and peace, he is presenting here the expressions of the gospel. The expression of the gospel of peace is this, aren't you at war with God? Aren't you not reconciled with God? And by the message of the gospel, through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you were reconciled with God and you were given peace in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we often gloss over these things, but you see how beautiful Galatians is because through even in the salutation of this letter, he is presenting the gospel. And he even mentioned about and provided uh, through his salutation here the atonement and substitutionary death of Jesus Christ in verse 4. We could read here that who gave himself for our sins. You could read that in verse 4. Because Jesus became our substitute. That is the gospel. You ought to die, but someone dies on your behalf so that you will no longer die. Someone did. You, you ought to receive the punishment, but you will no longer receive that. But rather, what you will receive is eternal life. The grace and the love of God. 
provided by Jesus Christ. He accorded redemption and cleansing in verse 5. And of course, all of this were given to us, and the purpose of this is to give God the glory. So that is the gospel. So the message here, the ultimate issue here is whether or not you know the true gospel versus the false gospel. The problem is this. Can we discern the right gospel? Because the issue here is so fundamental for Apostle Paul. It is the rise and fall of Christianity. I've mentioned a while ago, their souls are at stake. Is at stake. Our souls are at stake here. Whether you'll be in damnation or whether you'll be received in heaven. So for him, it's very, very important. And now we understand why he was very unrelenting with these words. This is not an issue whether or not you will have weekly communion or once a month communion. This is not an issue about whether you will be baptized by immersion, sprinkling, or pouring. Christian churches would divide over that issue. This is not an issue whether to use your drums or not. I grew up in a church that when the drums are being used in the church, some people in the church find it demonic. Really, how many of you old Christians here who you've experienced the transitioning, no drums in the church. If you use drums in the church, you know, the old people will say, that's demonic. Now we could not even sing praises to God without the drums. That's not the issue. So, this is uh, the call. The reason why Apostle Paul also wrote this is this. He is principally and fundamentally calling Christians to discernment. To discernment. The falsity of the gospel will not come to you outrightly. It will come in the form of theologizing things. It would come to you as something. Or falsity or the affront of the gospel will also come to you in the form of its very application. The true gospel, my dear brothers and sisters, reveal the plight of man, the salvation of God only through Jesus Christ, His love and mercy, His holiness and light, and the call for the redeemed to live out its wonderful truth. That is what the gospel is all about. Apostle Paul is calling us to discernment. And I'll end in this uh, uh, few statements. I've just read a while ago the stand of the uh, Assemblies of God Singapore and the uh, National Council of Churches in Singapore and so many other churches and denominations have given their stand on this issue. We stand alongside with our brothers and sisters and with this recent light in the, in, in the position of the church on this uh, law. For them, it's a political issue. For us, it's a pastoral issue. It's true that our belief informs um, the way we live and the way we would uh, appreciate things in life. We may or may not agree with certain lifestyles. We stand on it not because we're morally upright. We stand on it because we are informed by the Word of God and we are shaped by its truth and its love. 
But much has been said on this issue. Churches and denominations have mentioned have given their call onto this. But the call of the church is to a calm, resolute, and Christ-likeness in all circumstances, whether or not we agree or disagree on a certain position. We may champion our own beliefs and our own uh, doctrine or our own principles, and people will understand or may not understand us for that. But you see, there are two ways to stand on truth. Two ways. And you have to stand on both feet. The first way to stand on the truth is to proclaim it, stand on it, and speak anything that would be against it. Speak the truth is one way to stand up on the truth. The other way to stand up on the truth is this, to live out that truth. You cannot stand on one leg only. And this is my ultimate call to you in the light of this, an application of this on standing on the gospel. Isn't that the gospel is also calling us while it calls us to speak on our principles and our beliefs and our moral stand on issues. Isn't the gospel also calling us to this? And I'll show you this Facebook post that I've seen from a friend. This is the call of Christian in the light of this 377A. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor who doesn't look like you, who doesn't think like you, who doesn't love like you, who doesn't speak like you, who doesn't pray like you, who doesn't vote like you. Love your neighbor, no exceptions. It doesn't mean these people don't think, don't look, don't love, don't pray, don't vote like us. It doesn't mean that we will not be a good neighbor to them. In fact, the Bible says, all the more that we should be able to be a good neighbor to them even if they do not share our belief, even if they do not share our principles. The call of Christianity is to love our neighbor. Some people that you know may not be able to share your faith. They may not be able to share, to share your moral stand on certain issues. What would you do? Close the door when you see them coming? Don't greet them when you see them. Or choose the way of Jesus to say, Zacchaeus, come down for I'm coming to your house today. That is the call of Christianity. Christians should be able to promote openness, friendship, and dialogue, and hearing to those people who may not be able to share our principles. Because Christians primarily, as the gospel would call it, Christians should be able to navigate difficult conversations. That is the true hallmark of a being a Christian. Are you able to navigate difficult conversations? Because Christians are not called to intolerance. We're not radicalized Christians. We are called to truth. We are called to love. 
You know, your children will not share your belief. You know why? Because for many of us, same-sex marriage or whatever is an ethical issue to us. For some people, it's not. It's a social justice issue. And we need, we need to recognize that. We need to hear that voice. We need to have a dialogue with that. We may not be able to share it. We may not be able to believe it. But at least we heard them. Because we cannot have our way and just exist on ourselves. No, we cannot. Christians are called to coexist in the world in a multicultural, multisocial, plural society. We are called to become Christians wherever we are in the world. You do not exist in a bubble. You do not exist in a vacuum. Christians are called to love their neighbor. No exceptions. And I will not apologize for that. You can oust me in this pulpit. I will tell you, you have to love your neighbor no matter where they are, who they are, whatever sexual orientation that they may have, you are called to love them. I will not apologize for that. You can oust me here. Because that is the call of a true Christian. To be able to share a lift to smile when they need one, to help them when they need one. That is Christianity, my dear brothers and sisters. Not intolerant, radicalized Christianity. No. To coexist with them, to live with them, to help them, to be one true Christian, able to live out the gospel in you. No matter their, whatever their faith is, whatever principles that they may have, you are there to become a good neighbor. That is the way to stand on the truth. You cannot moralize. Leave that out. People won't hear what you will say. They will see what you do. Christians are never bigots. We're not intolerant. We do not give in to extremism. But we are called to a gospel life of peace, grace, and love. The way to stand on truth will be two things. To call and oppose it when it's a lie and to stand it out and live out that truth. Because you see, we could not convert people by just standing there and shouting at the top of our lungs. Because how did the message of the gospel reach your hearts? How did it reach you? Aren't you lost and found peace in God? Aren't you a stranger and found a home? Aren't you a sinner lost but was found? Because my dear brothers and sisters, and I will end here, the gospel is the message of peace for those who are disturbed and in chaos. The gospel is a story of love and redemption to those who are betrayed, abandoned, and forsaken. The gospel is the truth against all of lies, deception, and falsity. The gospel is good news to those who are defeatedly believed that no good thing could ever happen to them. The gospel is the only true hope in despair, the way of salvation to those who are lost. The gospel is the only good news. And we are all called to live that out. Show them to our friends, to our neighbors, and even disciple this gospel message to the next generation. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ.
And I do hope, I sincerely hope, that in the light of all this that are happening around us, we would be able to disciple our next generation and love our neighbors. We cannot have a false gospel. We can only have one true gospel that calls us to love not only our own kind, but others as well. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you have called us to the true gospel, not the false gospel that dilutes the true message of your word, of peace, of love, of redemption. Not a gospel, Lord, of a ritualized religion, of wooden presentations or wooden proclamations of beliefs or ideologies, but life, faith, and hope. These things, Lord God, we wonder. And Father, I pray that you will disturb your people for them to live out the gospel that we so passionately preach. Father, teach your people today to love their neighbors as themselves. To see people as they are. To come alongside their neighbors, their friends, their relatives who may not be able to share their beliefs, their sexuality. But Lord, through us, we would be able to share with our friends, with our neighbor, that we are coming with peace. We're coming with love. We are redeemed people who would speak the truth, who would show hope in despair in the way of salvation to those who are lost. And we will be here to listen to them. We will be here for them because of what you've called us to do. Father, I also pray that we as a church will continue to repent on how we have treated our young people in this church. How we have utilized them. How we have just expected them to be this and like that. But never listened to them. Never journeyed with them. Father, make we, the parents who are here, to be uncomfortable with the way we live our lives. Teach us, O Lord, to show to our next generation how much we care and love them. That we are concerned about their lives. We are concerned about their future. Because we ourselves know that their future can only be and can only be found in you. Father, I pray that we as a community of faith will continue to live out this gospel. We will not reduce it. But show to our young people how much this gospel transformed us. How much this gospel informed and shaped our lives for the better, for the best. And this same gospel will also transform their lives. We'll also find them. We'll also guide them. Father, May we be a discipling church, a church truly, deeply 
motivated, shaped by the gospel. We praise you, O Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Let's all stand to receive the benediction. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace, always in every way. And may the Lord be with you all. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all now and forevermore. In the name of the Holy Child God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God will respond with Amen, Amen, and Amen. Thank you, my dear brothers and sisters. Let's live out the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever you are. God bless you, everyone.